you see floating market. You see people who live on the river. Sometimes people who live on the boat for three, four generations, and then they—that's their life. And at one point, I dream. I say it's so damn romantic. If I will have my girlfriend with me floating down the river, you know, <laughs> it's important for the Vietnamese frame of mind that you have to live with water. And since you interact with water, you live on water, by the water, and sometimes you fish under water. That particular culture is for the the current situation. So, so, so what we're going to do about that? We just let you know the, the the future generation to 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 come up with the idea with the solution. Yeah. That's irresponsible. I've I've heard you know people who told me this kind of idea, and it's make me somewhat you know angry. What would happen if this continues in another 50 years? Oh well, you know there might not be a delta anymore. Welcome to Vietnam Rising Podcast, where we chase dreams and opportunities in Vietnam, and also get real with challenges and reality. On this season of Vietnam Rising, I'm your host Ben Dum, and you and I we will sit down with the shakers and movers in Vietnam to hear about their real stories. And why Vietnam is still the place to be. Hello, guys! Welcome back to another episode of Vietnam Rising podcast. Uh, it's Minh Tham, and today is a very special episode because it's something that I'm. Um, it's a topic that I'm eagerly learning, especially from an expert that who could tell us more about this urgent matter. Right now in Vietnam, uh, we are experiencing a lot of climate change issues like flooding, storms, and drought, like all across the countries. And just within this past month, there has been so many incidents happen that it really makes me. Um, Really, questions about why does it get to here? You know, mm-hmm. like why is the situation so bad right now, and how can we learn, and how do we evolve from it, or how do we conquer, uh, like you know, resolve this issue? So today, I invited um, Professor Q, and he is an expert of my Mekong Delta, and I will let you introduce specifically. Uh, why are we gonna talk today? Oh, uh, first, um, good morning. Currently, I am a um, researcher for the uh, National University of Ho Chi Minh City, uh, located on number twelve Din Tin Huang, and uh, I'm on a part-time basis. I do as volunteer. Uh, I used to teach in the U.S. for some thirty-five years, and about five years ago, I decided that mm, I would be. Freer, you know, doing my river work instead of you know going to classroom every day and drinking my cappuccino, you know, <laughs> after class. So I decided to to leave the classroom and take my retirement. Uh, then landed in uh, Ho Chi Minh City since 2015. I have made the city my permanent, you know, residence or address right now. I. Love the city food. I love the folks. A good opportunity for me today, and to be with you, uh, the next hour or so, and discussing some issues pertaining to water, pertaining to uh, food security, for example, pertaining to the effect of man-made structure on on the river, and uh, maybe sharing with you some, some perspective of the future. Yes, and are we also. Uh, gonna discuss about how um, sustainability is like a new word that we are learning mm-hmm. to evolve and how to apply it into our own life as well. And from today's sessions, we're gonna learn about how do we, like as you know, common people, could actually participate and contribute in resolve these climate changing issues mm-hmm. that we like in Vietnam or anywhere else in the world is um, facing. Mm-hmm. So, see you in the episode. You went I, to Mekong Bencher yeah, yesterday, right? So yes, I, I, well, I'm away. You know, I feel two, two kind of, a, I guess, you know, two kinds of a, a thinking. One that is, uh, I feel safer because of, uh, you know, the pandemic is was really well controlled here, and I think kudos, you know, and appreciation of the Vietnamese government have really have a. A handle into this uh, health issue. The second thing is, uh, you know, I I am connecting back into 
childhood in many ways because I was never, you know, uh, have a, a a long kind of experience with Vietnam since I left when I was, you know, in my teenage years. Mm -hmm. And so now reconnecting means a lot to me, you know, reconnecting means uh, the re, you know, the re-exploring, for example, mm -hmm. of, you know, what I miss. For, and then there was a gap. It's a huge gap yeah. of something like... You were 50 yeah, years. I was, you know, I missed for 50 years living mm -hmm. in the U.S., right? And then, um, of course, you know, since 1990, 30 years ago, uh, I was able to return and then uh, continuously working with the Vietnamese um, uh, side on many issues, uh, you know, from, from uh, you know, urban issue to educational. And then now it's the issues of environmental, issues of rivers, issue of the water, issue of, you know, a, a, a part of... of of Vietnam that when I was born, mm -hmm. you know, I don't even know, you know, what, what was, what was, you know, the Mekong Delta, right? Uh -huh. And, and growing up in the city, not too far from here, I live in Dachau and then, uh, you know, and hearing the kind of uh, information from the countryside, be it from Cai Bear, be it from Koko, uh -huh. be it from, you know, uh, I have no idea. I just, you know, see my relatives, you know, bringing food. You know, this food up and then <laughs> carry a couple of ducks, you know, and then for my dam yo, for my, you know, the, 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 uh, the death Desert anniversary, yeah, anniversary of, my, of my grandfather. So that's my, my view of the Mekong. It's just, oh, this is food, food and food, you know. <laughs> But then I, 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 and when I return, In 1990s and, you know, in the 90s and then subsequently organizing this international exchange, uh, I traveled back here with my student and then really have a real taste of the Mekong, a real taste of the Delta, a real, you know, in encounter with, you know, real people. Uh, of of communities of commune mm -hmm. of from sa from wing from district you mm -hmm. know from commune then you know i i have a you know a new a new kind of a uh, information Ex experience and appreciation mm -hmm. along with you know the, the 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 grasping of grasping of culture and grasping of history i see yeah. and um so i Um, I've been to Mekong that have a certain city, right? Uh, I've been yeah. to Kung Thu, I've been to Kamau. Yeah. Is it Kam is it Kamau? Is it in, still in the Mekong Delta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, 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 the, it's the tip <laughs> very, of the Delta. Very bad, as you, yeah. know, you can see. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, so my, my dad was actually, my dad says actually from Vinh Long. Mm -hmm. right? It's also in the Mekong Delta. Yeah. But I, yeah, similar like you, I mm. grew up in the city. I've never been doing or like really living and experiencing mm -hmm. my Delta. Whenever we go back, whenever families relative coming up, it's mm -hmm. always food or we, it's always touristy type stuff. Mm -hmm. But I never truly see how is the river, how is the culture there. So can you paint mm -hmm. me the picture or tell me well, what is it like? Let let maybe, let's kind of reimagining, you know, the, 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 the Indochina Peninsula yes. uh, at that time you will see kind of blurry, you know, borders, right? And we were in the Red River Delta forming our own kingdom, facing constantly threats from the north, right? And then, um, you know, our small kingdom get bigger and larger. And then, of course, you know, impossible to move north because of, you know, the antagonism or, you know, or the rivalry between, you know, the two kingdoms. And in many, many, you know, years, for example, throughout history, we were being dominated. And so we have no choice but, you know, moving south. And and then, you know, we reach the central part of Vietnam and then slowly, slowly, we move along this very narrow strip along the seashore. And then by the time, you know, we get down to, you know, the first part of uh, the branch of the, you know, of the Mekong uh, rivers, then we starting to slow down because of that, we starting to encounter also existing 
cultures, existing communities who have been there, you know, much longer than us. For example, in the south central Vietnam, we encounter the Cham, the Champa people, you know, the Cham mm-hmm. people. Yes. Uh, as some association there, there was some uh, conflict there, but you know, overall, you know, uh, there was some 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 historical agreement that you know we we reached. Uh, some sort of agreement with the king and then we move on south and then we reach to uh, you know what we call now the Saigon you know which yes. is used to be called Prenokor because it was Pre-no-kor. Cambodian right mm, yeah. yeah then then we encounter that uh, new new uh, you know group of people we call Khmer mm-hmm. and then you know interact with them and at the same time by the 18th century we also found that there were also immigrants you know coming from the Pearl River Delta mm. in China that you know coming by boat oh. thereby we call them Gutao <laughs> so they come over and then you know they explore they work and you know the uh, the hard working you know and bringing all kind of experience from the Pearl River Delta they certainly you know, have uh, contributed to the expansion of of the Mekong Delta, and many of them were pioneers, and and they were you know very collaborative with the Nguyen Kingdom, and so they say, hey, okay, you know, we cannot go back to China, and here we have this whole you know part of the land that we now are domesticating it, and then we've been growing rice, we've been doing you know trade. So might as well, you know, become part of you. And so the contribution of the Chinese in the Delta is tremendous, oh, right? Wow. I, Secondly, I know you know, we have, uh, uh, for example, you know, the techniques of uh, using, for example, water among the Khmer, you know, during the time of the Angkor Empire, mm-hmm. right? Uh, now they call it Thuy Chang Lap, which is, you know, Khmer Maritime, or they call it Khmer Krom. Yes. Then... You know, the association, again, you know, we have uh, some agreement and we send one of our princess, you know, Công Chúa Ngọc Vàng, to marry a Khmer king and then thereby she bring us, you know, more land, right? (laughs) So I think the acquisition of the land was uh, somewhat, I think, done peacefully, uh, unlike people say, you know. Uh, that you know we have uh, to use uh, all kind of uh, what you call that you know uh, insidious or you know stuff that we can try to acquire but i think it's through association it's through you know some kind of a, at least from my point of view maybe historian might not agree with me that you know we use force but i think it was peaceful mm-hmm. you know for for four communities to coexist mm-hmm. you see and to this day also you know i mean of course there were also differences but i can see for example in uh, the province of Sopdang and the province of Javin, well, you know, people can coexist. And uh, I think that may be, for me, I think that's uh, truly, you know, an achievement, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't see, mm-hmm. I don't see any kind of thing. And then, in fact, I think when the time when the French came, well, there were many, many Chinese um, patriots, uh, of course, Chinese Vietnamese then, like Trung Dinh, you know, and, and those people were joining the opposition, you know, joining Fang Tan Yang. And of course, Gu Fang is also Chinese descendant, yes. right? And he's, he, you know, he's from your province. Oh, Vinlong Fang Tan Yang is from yeah. Vinlong, yeah. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I can see the Delta build, you know, at, at least uh, in terms of uh, ethnic and communities-wise, is the association of four groups. The, those who come from central Vietnam, like the Ngu Quang, Quang Đức, Quang Bình, Quang Tri, Quang Ngai, Quang Nam. Mm. So they come down and they bring their kind of experience, their kind of techniques, their kind of you know motivation, their kind of enthusiasm, and you know work well. And then after that, you know, joining together with the people like Mạc Cú, Trần Thắng Tài, Trương Ngạn Định, and all those come together. At the same time, also, the Cham people from Châu Đốc, you know, and, you know, the Khmer in place, they were always there, right? Ever since the 9th, the 10th century, they were there under the kingdom of Phu Nam and then eight later later on under under uh, Angkor Empire. And then, you know, those four groups joined together to form a multicultural 
Delta mm-hmm. make up composite mm-hmm. of four four people living together. Okay, so and that's then, that's the mm-hmm. part that I think you know in terms of ethnic, in terms of historical, uh, maybe during the last three hundred years. Yeah. And then right now for the river culture, right now when you come back like thirty years ago. Uh, what was it like? What what resonate with you so much that you decide well, to I, I guess, I guess, work you know, closely by, with it? Uh, yeah, it's important for the Vietnamese frame of mind that you have to live with water, and since you interact with water, you live on water, by the water, and sometimes you fish underwater. Mm-hmm. Then you know you have to you have to that particular culture is formed, mm. and that's formed according to. The weather condition is formed according to the morphology of the of the region. At one point, if you compare the Amazon River, right, and you compare to the Mekong, those two of the two of the the the, the of these international waterways, in many ways, have the most highly biodiversified uh, ecological system. Wow, it's amazing. If the Amazon in some part of Manaus or some part of the Rio Negro, you would find 200, 400, or sometimes up to 800 species of fish, then Vietnam is equivalent to. Wow. We have almost a thousand type mm. of fish. And for a stretch of, let's say, 200 kilometers, right, from the border between Cambodia and Vietnam and And then Cửu Đình An, you know, the estuary of Đình An or Trang Đê or Cung Hau, you have a huge number of type of fish, you know, surface water fish, middle level water fish, bottom feeders, you know, it's amazing. And and the old Vietnamese uh, saying to say that, uh, you know, you know on the land we have rice we have these uh, you know tropical fruit in the water we have fish and you know it was you know Vietnamese always say làm mộc work only you know one 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 but then take in ten late mười so that was you know the richness of the delta in well-balanced kind of condition. We don't overuse, we don't over-exploit, we don't, you know, treat the land badly, or we don't have the action of human who who control the water, who stop the water, who store the water, mm. and who become a water hegemon, you know, controlling like that. So now the delta has changed drastically mm-hmm. during the last... 25, 30 years, mm-hmm. I think is is the way that I, I I can see it's just not going to be stopping anytime soon, because you know the exploitation is ongoing, uh, the type of human action onto the rivers continuous, right, and then also we we don't have really a solid a solid strategy, just in order to mitigate, to slow down the exploitation, to To keep, you know, the respect of nature, to keep a balanced way of living with nature, and so right now we are paying a very high price. So take yeah. me back to, mm-hmm. you know, like you came back 30 years ago and seeing Mekong Delta, and now I know that you visited um, Mekong Delta, like different province, like almost every single week. Yeah. Then can you tell me I, I can the, give you like more. an example of like something that drastically different oh. between 30 years ago and right now? One of the best expression of the water culture and văn hóa sông nước, you would see that we have you know land markets chợ trên 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 đất right you yeah. can see that but then we have chợ nổi chợ nổi is like floating market floating on the markets. river yeah we have a lot of these floating markets and 30 years ago you have plenty at any confluence at any bend at any crossing you will find a floating market and this market came very early you know bringing out the best produce you know from the various part of you know the 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 the, the delta and then you kind of like congregate 
in some sort of a crossing between a canal and then the river or the, in a, 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 a branch you know, of the river and another branch of the river. And all these, uh, the floating market are the symbol of you know, this rich, special type of uh, water culture. You have cái răng, phong điền, cái nước, cái bè, chợ nổi trà ôm. You have all kind, you know, in, in, I can say that, you know, over, you know, 20, 30 floating markets. What happened to them What now? happened to now is just that's disappearing for two reasons. We have more bridges, right? We have more highways. So, of course, people would prefer to use uh, those kind of facilities in order to get, you know, get faster. But, you know, we have moved somewhat on land. And at the same time, right now, you know, the floating markets are quick disappearing. Right now, you only can have Kai Rang and then you have Kai Bea. Uh, Sometimes you, you get there early enough, you can find. But after that, you know, after 10 o'clock, they all disappear. Because why? Because, you know, the type of, you know, activity was not being sustained. You just find the easiest way, you know, to do things and then you don't appreciate the kind of, uh, uh, you know, boat that coming together and you have Kebeo, you know, the little pole, you know, stopping up there and you see the hanging of a fruit, you see the hanging of a of a vegetable, you know, and you say, hey, this is, we, we don't appreciate that. We, we becoming, you know, somewhat attracted into, you know, going around with, you know, all these uh, new things and then, and and then what happened is just you know people say hey you don't we don't you don't use it we don't we don't we don't sustain there's it there's no point to continue there's no point because mm-hmm. in the old days when you transport right because most of the transportation was done on water 70% of all transportation in the old days were done on water because number one is safer it's cheaper and then you can use you know the water force of the of the tide, right? You know, when the tide moving up and then you go up, you know, you don't use energy. And then when the tide going down, you can use it. And so the kind of skill, the kind of water skill that people have slowly disappear with not using it. And then now, you know, uh, in the old days, you use uh, transportation for all the potteries. Potteries, when you put with straw on the boat is, Less breakable, mm. whereas if you go onto big, you know, container truck, you make a bump and then the pottery will go clang. And in the delta, we use with a lot of pottery, loo, jiao, hap, you know, all of that. Now, you know, you put them onto some sort of styrofoam stuff, and you put it on the thing. You uh-huh. save it, yeah. but it's cheaper. So therefore, you know, you don't use boat for this kind of a breakable or, you know, fragile kind of thing. I see. Yeah. And then, then, mm-hmm. then what happened too is just, you know, the water used to be uh, cleaner. You know, you have uh, living on those boats, you can both become flexible. You can travel, of course. You know, you go from places to places. Uh, you have certain kind of freedom, right? And then now, you know, you the water, uh, you know, not that good anymore, right? There's sometimes some some branches or some canal would have enough water that you can navigate, but you know, it now with uh, the change in climate, some places is inaccessible. You cannot use the waterways, or you cannot use, you know, a certain canal because this is not enough water. Mm-hmm. So slowly, slowly, water culture is under threat. You know? I see. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the reasons why I wanted to do this um, episode yeah. is because um, right now in Vietnam, we are, the central Vietnam is experiencing a lot of um, flood and a lot of storm. Yeah. And this year, well, I feel like for the past three or five years, it's always been the biggest storm ever like in history. And every single year is becoming bigger. And this year, like um, we have around 10 storms in one month, in a span of one month. Like just you continuously see more storm coming in and the next storm is stronger than the others. Oh. And I personally really believe that that because, um, you know, climate change and also there's a lot of theories is because of the 
resources that we've been using, right? Yeah. You know, for yeah. hydro electric electricity. Yeah. Right. So many people, uh, so many um, like small um, hydro electricity mm -hmm. that they hold, they have a dam and they holding the water in there. Right. And then like during this time, they just open the gate, right? Yeah. And then that caused a flood who that kill and, you know, you know, yeah. just destroy everything. Mm -hmm. What would be those mm -hmm. kind of consequences for Mekong Delta mm -hmm. if we continue to do all the things that we're doing right now. It was right after the Green Revolution uh, in the 1960s, for example, people like Paul Ehrlich and uh, people who study world population uh, came out with this this warning. He said, oh, wow, you know, look at this. The earth is bursting by the seam uh, because, you know, we produce so much children after the war sort of like a baby boom yeah you know? baby boomer we, mm -hmm. we pump out and i am one of the baby boomer you mm -hmm. know right now i was born right after the second world war and so he warned us that you know how with the limited resources that we have on earth because this is the only planet that we have to use whatever the planet give us you know there's no way because at that time even though we landed on the moon but you know there's nothing on the moon that you can use as edible right so he warned us about that and then come about this kind of thing hey we should think of a a, a solution for this and then here come all of those research in biology and all of those fantastic researchers who say hey we found the answer what if we use you know the uh, kind of water we're going to irrigate we're going to turn uh, arid region the desert into very arable you know a patch of land we can bring in the water we can bring in all kind of chemicals we're going to try to make the fertile soil really fertile again, and so uh, here come you know all these big company corporation Dow Chemical Johnson and Johnson you know and all those people, and they come out with you know the best kind of uh, species the kind of uh, what you call it grain you know for crops, and then they come with the fertilizer for that kind of crop, they come with the pesticide for that kind of crop. And then in many regions of the world, we certainly see a surge of uh, of of of, um, of uh, what you call it uh, um, rice and then cereals and everything. So we were taken by that kind of onslaught of 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 green revolution, and we're starting to build dams because dam you know irrigation is dam irrigation, uh, and dam is energy. Dam is irrigation, and dam is food. Mm -hmm. So the whole world starting to build a whole bunch of dams. I see. And currently, you think if you can think of China has eighty five thousand dams. Damn, that's a lot. Yeah. United States, we started first. We have over 50. There's no river in the world right now that's not, not being, it's not having a block, a cement block on it. Yeah, and then Very um, and the, yeah. for Mekong Delta, yeah. because it's um, run across um, mm -hmm. China and then Laos and Cambodia, yeah, yeah. Thailand what, what, too, right? Yeah. yeah, and then the two. So China is the beginning of the river, and then Vietnam is like the the, 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 the bottom, like the end right, of the river, the right? The river. And then yeah. every single piece of Mekong Delta, from like even like not in China only, but then in other country, mm -hmm. everybody has their own dams. Yeah. So eventually, because everybody's blocking the water, not a lot of things come back to the to the end of the water anymore, like the end of the body river anymore. Mm -hmm. Before, um, all the nutrition's is actually at the end of the river mm -hmm. because you know that's the end of the flow and then yeah. that all the nutrition is that's why the yeah, Mekong yeah, yeah. Delta right. in Vietnam is mm. really prosperous and it has created a big community and big resourceful and like basically all our food are grow there, right? Yeah. But now mm -hmm. because all the dams has been created in multiple countries, and I'm not sure it's in Vietnam. Do they do it as well? Well, we have dams too. We yes, have but it's in Yali Dam. Dam we have Sesan. We have on the Sekong yes. River. Yes, so basically, we all that we also have dams too. Mm -hmm. So basically, we're blocking the water from flowing, mm -hmm. and that is creating a problem. Now, the the one that we're seeing right now is that when all the dams start opening their gate. Mm -hmm. We see flood right. in central Vietnam. There, 
this year is the biggest flood that they flood that ever, they've ever seen for the past ever you know like 40 years 50 years i don't know yeah and mm-hmm. in mekong delta then we see drought drought yeah because there's not enough water yeah, coming down yeah, yeah. and all of this mm-hmm. will eventually, you know, this is the, 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 the problem that we visually see right now. Mm-hmm. But what would happen if this continues in another 50 years? Oh, well, you know, there might not be a delta anymore. Last time we discussed about this, you mm-hmm. mentioned that there are threats between, you know, when the river is disappearing. Right. Meaning mm-hmm. people are migrating apart from the river right that means there will be more issue arise not mm-hmm. just within the river right mm-hmm. you would think oh this is maybe you would think oh i don't live anywhere near a river i'm living in the city why does this matter to me then think about this those people who live nearby the river will mm-hmm. no longer can feed their family and because of that they will start going and migrating in other area right within the city or if and if they're going to a city, imagine overpopulations. Right now in Ho Chi Minh City, we have 11 million people. And they are planning to have another city next door, which is going to be like 30, 20. The the, 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 predict- the predictions population is going to be 20 or 30 million people. Imagine mm-hmm. that many people in the same area. Right. How many, how much problem would there be? And then, oh. and, and then what if they don't have jobs? What yeah, if they can't yeah, find jobs? Yeah. That means that uh-huh. more criminal or more, um, and then more poverty because they cannot sustain or they cannot help feed themselves. Uh-huh. And then there will be more problems like human trafficking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. even further out where people who can't feed themselves, they have to sell themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's. You know, like we always say, how far will you go for the family? How far you go to survive? That's how far people could go. Mm-hmm. And if we not caring about this, that is all the consequence going to affect it on our society. Yeah. And mm-hmm. well, yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's really, it feel mm-hmm. like it's a very urgent um Problem. You know, large river, and I, th- I, I can tell you, for example, Quang Tư, District 4, for example, right, is an island. It's surrounded by water now. If you keep on building these high condos along the, the, the uh, you know, the Nguyen Tất Han Street, right, yeah. and you're going to be blocking the water from, blow, from flowing down to the river because along the waterway along the the, the, the the water edge, you will build a whole bunch of high rises. And by the time you build the foundation, you dig the foundation, you stick inside in the underground a big piece of cement. And when you stick that big piece of cement, it's gonna stop the water from the rain to come out. And so if Wung Bai, Wung Bong, Wung Tu, you know, it's surrounding by these kind of high rises from Ben Vang Dong, and then you go up there, you see Kin Te, and then you turn around and you see the other, you know, part of you know, Kin Tao Hu. And if you know the Saigon River is right there too, so you build that that kind of a like a like um like a dike system. Mm-hmm. Not really a dike, but you know, above that it's like a high rises, big condo facing the river, and you build just like a little little basin. Mm. Same thing with Fukuok. Fukuok, all around Fukuok has never had this kind of flood. Mm -hmm. But now because of this developer, they built surrounding the seashore. They built all these condos and resort and high rises. So they put cement, uh, uh, you know, all around the the, the, the seashore. So it's become like a... Like a basin. Mm -hmm. So So this is what, you know, I mean, modernization... It's important for Vietnam to catch up, but this modernization is without good sound development. Mm. You see, we don't have no plan. We just let these guys, you know, uh, speculating on the land, and then they pay so high, you know, so much on the land. So therefore, when they when they want to recoup whatever they invest, they build these high rises, and you know, in so small piece, and then in order to build high rises tall enough you have to have good foundation mm. and when you have you know you have foundation for 20 or 30 story you dig deep into the ground and then you put cement into it mm. and when you put cement into it it's become a block mm-hmm. it's stopped the water 
from flowing out. So right now I can see why Nguyễn Hu Can is always flooded mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it could not go to Tinh uh, uh, yeah. um, uh, Canal. It okay. could not go to the river of Saigon. The some of the main street got yeah. flooded. Yeah, and a lot of the people mm-hmm. blame it on. Um, the, Kum, you know, on the, yeah, on the, the tide, on the you know, like, like the, that, the yeah. draining system. Yeah, yeah no, a lot of people no, no, are no. blaming on that, right? But right now, mm-hmm. what what I'm getting from you is that mm-hmm. it's not just that; it's because of the development. It's because we blocking the water on the ground. We blocking is, water, and yeah. that's why it's created this problem. Not only that, but then underneath, you know, in in the in the what we live right above ground underneath we have aquifers. Yeah. We have a lot of, you know, aquifers in there and we suck them up. We we I mean we just we just use whatever. We build you know, we dig wells, we dig wells, you know, left and right, we dig wells left and right. We sucked up all that river. Yeah. All all that's water, right? And then when you take that, it's gonna be f- founding down yeah. subsidence so when when one you know when when you have all kind of water here is hold up mm-hmm. right and when you suck it all out it's going to subside it's going to subside it's yeah. going to go down and when it's going to go down the water going to come right there mm. so that's what happened with you know we who can wow. so those people are irresponsible you know for that little whatever yeah. money they they gain but they have no responsibility they have no respect for the population it is only for the rich and the poor are gonna get the water the rich can build you know can lift the houses with a higher yeah. piece of cement right mm-hmm. yes and then, but the poor can, you know just mm-hmm. and so when you bring your house up with cement the water from there gonna come to the poor you know to the poorer section yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and for mm-hmm. so I understand that because um, mm-hmm. economical li- reasons there a lot of, there's been a lot of developments there's oh, yeah. been a lot of um, overuse of resources everywhere right overuse and, oh I think this maybe is is total exploitation with irresponsible behavior yes exactly yeah. so basically but that's the thing about I don't I think it's oh. Vietnam or like anywhere that people mm-hmm. don't really take account on nature or natural resource mm-hmm. we always talk about hey let's love our environment hey let's be good to the environment but we don't really see the real effect we don't really, yeah. yeah we just see like oh well in 10 years or yeah. in 20 years or if in the lifetime of a person 50 years but we never account like what happened in our actions today gonna affect oh. 100 years from now yeah so for you, for 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 my questions, then um, for those who really want to start learning and really want to start to actually mm-hmm. be responsible, then how do we help or how do we contribute? Well, I I I have thought about that, you know, in many cafe sessions with either by my myself or sometime I interact with some of my former students and, and we look at it, we see, I can see, you know, a lot of challenges and the challenges would need a good, sound education system mm. to cope with that. And if you don't insert, if you don't build, if you don't have a lesson plan that include all of these kind of matter of a slow movement between, you know, sustainability uh, concept, mm-hmm. you know, and then the way to get get to sustainability concept and the responsibility of people who live in such a, mm-hmm. you know, situation, then, you know, I don't think 5.0 and 4.0 would do any good. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's mm-hmm. a very interesting take. I want yeah. to emphasize right there is that, mm-hmm. so sustainability development is something that um yeah. is now a new buzzword right a lot right. of people Everybody, been yeah. learning mm-hmm. and trying to understand what it's like mm-hmm. because we are seeing the consequence of uh over exploiting our nature and responsibility mm-hmm. and responsible um but to really really eradicate or mitigate this problem we are not just taking the actions for this generations because um, I believe you would agree with this, is that this generations would able to fix all the problems. No, It has yeah. to come from the next generations, the future generations, where they are learned and they are educated about um, sustainability 
even when they're young, like even mm. like from the beginning of education or in the first grade, they need to learn and understand um, how to recycle. Yeah, you know yeah, how yeah. to recycle, mm. how to. Um, yeah. What does the love of nature mean? Right, you know, like right. what are the benefit of nature's, and how do we sustain them? How do we coexisting with them without yeah. just shutting out everything and just living our own little city? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly agree with you on on the issue of you know of of an educational planning and sound planning, but at the same time, also I, I, I don't like. You know the idea of throw everything and put everything into the hands of the future generation. I think we have to start right now. The older yeah. generation, like myself, we have to be responsible. We have to set example. You know, if we just say blame it or we just say, "Hey, you know, uh, it is you know the 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 current situation." So 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 what we're going to do about that? We just let you know the 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 future generation to 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 come up with the idea with the solution. Yeah. that's irresponsible. I've I've heard you know people who told me this kind of idea and it's make me somewhat you know. Angry because they say, "Hey, you know, if for example, you know, Huang Sha or Zhong Sha, you know, we're gonna get it back later on. No, well, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta fight right now. You gotta do something right now, and just not say, hey, you know, it's the responsibility of the future generation, because we have to take action right now. We have to change our behavior. We have to set example. We have to go out and we say, hey, you know, if we see someone who throw trash in the street, we say, don't do that. You know, or people dump some sort of a a big trash can into the river, we say. Don't do that. You know we have to say that mm-hmm. right now and not say you know I gotta go home and tell my son to go out and tell him you know him to yeah. do that. You know mm-hmm. you cannot do that. Yes. And then I I I I say that you know I mean that the kind of skirting or you know avoiding the responsibility it's it's not good. And I I think the the mentality of the Vietnamese you know always attached to this no you know the yeah. heck with it right. Yeah. That's I think is wrong. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. just you know a a a, a because, bunch yeah, of yeah. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. say hey, you know, uh, that's that's not that's not right, you know. So so why do you okay? Because it's it's affect you, it's affect the next generation, it's affect you know the future generation as well. So you have to you have to be active right now, mm-hmm. you know, and don't just you know push it to someone else or kick the ball you know, away to someone else. No, and I I know that you know. Uh, uh, The government has all the effort, you know, toward that. But I need, I think they need to have a a, a joint partnership, a solid partnership, you know, with people who come from all walks of life, you know, who come in together and who participate. And if you you don't, and and if the law and if anything that you know might prevent them from large crowd gathering or whatever, you know, in terms of security and all that stuff. You have to overcome that kind of thing, and encourage people to become active, to become involved, and to become responsible. Right? Because here, you know, any kind of association, any kind of gathering, any kind of anything, you know, instill the sense of fear from the government to say that you know, we when you get together too crowded, you mm-hmm. might you might create problem. But it is important to teach people. To share with people knowledge, information, and the reality, and the, the only way whether you can use it online, great. But if you can do it face to face, because face to face is still, it's still I think is is more efficient mm. than you know your Zoom or your FaceTime or whatever. When you face to somebody, you see the person, you convince the person, and then you know I mean when you do Zoom or when you do whatever you know you can do, the person can just turn you on and then go to the kitchen and, yes. <laughs> and have an ice cream, you know, and then yeah. with you. So I think I think we need to have a solid plan. And that would be an involvement of you know sharing responsibility, mm-hmm. and just don't say that you know you don't have to worry. You sit back there, you know the government will do it for you. No way. This kind of society have shift totally from what you can call that. You know, let the the, the leaders you know worry about everything, and then yeah. you know, no, I don't think that's the kind of a 
the, so that's not the right way. way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's not the right way to yeah, just let yeah. other people take right. responsibility for yeah. things that you could also get you, like take action and affect. That's right because you you are a member of the society. You are living there. You do it for yourself. Mm. You know, you're right there, and then you know you say, "Hey, there's someone else coming all the way from you know District Seven to come in and you have to clean up your place." No. Yeah. <laughs> And in the Navarro River in Northern Cal, for example, Northern California, in the springtime you see these orchids overhang on both sides of the of the stream, and mm. it's just truly beautiful, you know. And I I see I could you know imagine that with the rivers of Vietnam, for example, but then when I got back here, it's a total different <laughs> spectacle, right? Total yes. different scene, and you see you know house on still, you see floating market, you see people who live on the river, you see life on the river, sometimes people who live on the boat for three, four generations, and then they, that's their life. And at one point I dream, I say, it's so damn romantic if I will have my girlfriend with me floating down the river. You know? <laughs> But then I find out that it's not that You that know romantic. the way, the exotic or the kind of you know romantic that yeah. I see because, you know I watch closely on the boat they have three big loo you know big jar yeah. you know, and one would for this water one for this kind of washing water and one for this kind of cooking water, mm -hmm. and they have to make sure that they have enough water right. Mm -hmm. They have to check also when you know the movement of the water go up when the movement of the water go down mm. when they have to check also to see whether you know that next storm would be uh, coming from where in order for them to find shelter uh -huh. and they have to look for also location where they can go by you know produce even though they can buy on floating market right so all of that kind of romanticism is kind of you know disappear <laughs> still, still, still at the same time romantic to me <laughs> yeah and, and at the same time you know i i still wanting to be with them and and sometimes i i sat by the landing and i talked to this couple right and they have two dogs on the on the, they have on the two boat. dogs on the boat. Yeah, <laughs> right. And this, I call them river dogs, you know, and I have these photos of them. And they talk about, you know, it's sort of like a a small unit of 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 human unit that, you know, have two generations, husband and wife, you know, the two kids and then the two dogs. And they sell, uh, produce. They pick up, a, you know, um, house plan from Sadek And then they travel down and then they sell them in this market. And then they pick up, you know, produce either, you know, cereals or any kind of thing. And they bring upstream and all of that. I think it's not easy. It's not romantic. Mm -hmm. And then it's hard working. And generations like that. Can you imagine you, you will only live within, you know, this kind of space of something like seven or eight square meters, mm -hmm. you know. And it's family and then sometimes you procreate you make babies in there you know and then you live and then you go on land to give birth and then they come back on there and it's really tough mm -hmm. and yet and yet you know we persist over 300 years maybe 260 years but you know they live like that and that's the sustainability given you know to these people because they sustain that And now, you know, we, we don't pay attention. We say, hey, what happened is their own fate. What happened if they lose all of that? Mm -hmm. They have to move on land. And then they have to struggle again. So um, I, I think if we lose that culture, it will be a big loss. Mm. It will be, the Delta will be no longer Delta. Mm. And that's the feature. How do we sustain that? I think is a big, big question. And I think it needs a lot of... Um, researchers, you know, from cross-disciplinary, from a whole bunch of, of discipline to come together and then to, to, to find maybe, you know, a, a kind of a roadmap that we can go one at a time and we can sustain it. One of five, how does it, you know, for example, to sustain, you know, these kind of activities, for example, if they don't do transportation, then they move over to tourism and how the tourism can use mm -hmm. them. You have yeah. to think about that too, right? Yeah. So these are one of the, of them, and I I, uh, I guess for me is uh, is a new thing that I learned along, uh, you know, these many years when I come back here, and I still feel attached to that, and I still feel involved in a way that I might never find, you know, 
the solution maybe you know until the end of my life for example right but at least i think uh, an attempt to to see you know the 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 the, the delta uh, the way the way i would perceive it to be for example then it's just like a a little effort you know and i hope that it will be serving some sort of a bigger effort and that bigger effort would carry the result that i wish for you know yeah, yeah. absolutely beautiful yeah. and uh thank you for coming today and sharing all that yeah um stories and mm-hmm. insight about mekong delta mm-hmm. um it's also something that's guy is really close and it's very common yeah. to know mm-hmm. about mekong delta but to mm-hmm. really see the picture and really see the culture or really wa- see the effects mm-hmm. um that we having on the river or the river having on us, then yeah. I really, really appreciate to learn all that today. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I hope the audience is also enjoying this and uh, also, mm-hmm. you know, get those messages like eager to start learning or start knowing yeah, more yeah. about Mekong Delta or knowing more about sustainability and how to uh, really develop something um, mm-hmm. for the future generations. Yeah. Um, and so, for those who want to reach out to you or mm-hmm. to find more about your work, then mm-hmm. how do how do they find you? Oh, I I I currently have a a, a page on Facebook. It's called Mekong Spirit, and I update it as I go along. You know, with uh, uh, information from upstream, uh, uh, you know, upstream project construction, uh, some type of research. Uh, some information about the effect of uh, uh, other kind of activities pertaining to the river, mm-hmm. and that, and I'm building up a new block right now because I have a friend. She, uh, you know, advised me to you know to become more active in making this information available, you know, to all of you. And mm-hmm. I hope by understand the river, you would love the river. And of course, I think you know this is a. Uh, I want to say. A, a thank you uh, sentence, you know, long enough for all the audience that uh, that you have, you know, put up to me for this last hour or so. <laughs> I thank you, the hosts also for allowing me to, you know, express, you know, whatever I think of the current situation of rivers and in particularly in the Delta. And I also would hope that, you know, would re- relink with you at some point in the future when, you know, there was new information and there's new activities that I I think is it's important for you to, you know, to uh, to get it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. Uh, I also know that you also have, like, um, a lot of documentary footage yeah, yeah, about yeah, the yeah. Mekong Delta. And yeah. the last time I saw it, it was really, really beautiful. Yeah. So hopefully um, mm-hmm. we may be able to share a little bit of yeah, those l- for l- the yeah, audience as well. Right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, later on, I will be <laughs> making those available. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. And yeah, so mm-hmm. um, thank you for thank you guys for mm-hmm. tuning in for the episodes. I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, make sure to reach out to Taeyu or you uh, let us know what you think about the episode on our social media handles Vietnam Rising. And thank you. See you guys in the next episode. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye.